This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 162. Today on our show, it's all about the Taft Museum of Art. I think one of the interesting things about the Taft's collecting practice, it was really done in, with, with the mindset that this was going to be a gift to the Cincinnati, to Cincinnati, to people. Elise Solomon, the Taft's Director of Learning and Engagement, joins us to talk about the museum's history, its mission today, some of the events they have going on, how one gets into the museum business in the first place, and more, including whether or not the museum is haunted. Remember we talked about that on a couple of the Ghost Tour episodes way, way back? Now, if you've been liking the podcast, you can help support it via PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at cincyshirts.com and chip in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for that special promo code near the end of the episode for 20% off your entire Cincy Shirts or Old School Shirts.com order. Now, let's talk about the Tap Museum with Elise Solomon. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from Cincinnati. Once in a while, I'm a and um, we usually start with finding out your Cincinnati bona fides. Uh, so, are you from Cincinnati? I am not from Cincinnati. All right, where are you from? I am. Uh, I'm from Texas. Say <laughs> what now? What's that? What did you say? That's a wrong answer. She's not from Cincinnati. <laughs> Actually, yes, but I aren't either. So, yep. uh, oh, so uh, that's fine. I'm with a bunch of transplants then. Yep. All right. <laughs> well, um, I'm from Texas originally, oh. uh, but kind of all over the South. And I moved here from New Orleans, which is actually the longest I've ever lived anywhere. I lived in New Orleans for about 10 years. Oh, wow. Great town. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Love New Orleans, but we love Cincinnati too. I'm, uh, I think actually today is my three year anniversary in Cincinnati. Oh, okay. And oh wow! Did you're a noob. I am. Yeah. <laughs> and did you work at a museum in New Orleans? I did. Yeah, I worked at the New Orleans Museum of Art. Okay. And so, uh, well, I'm going to go stop the washing machine here. Hold on. <laughs> it's getting too much. I forgot my daughter's doing her laundry. She came home for the weekend. So. There you go. Are you still rolling? All right, sweet. So, well, was there like culture shock once moving from uh, New Orleans to Cincinnati? Did Cincinnati seem boring? Or uh... well, you know, I moved around a lot when I was a kid, and the thing that I learned was that you really just have to love whatever city you're living in for what it is. You know, and so New Orleans is never going to Cincinnati's never going to be New Orleans. New Orleans is never going to be Cincinnati, and so you know, it was a bit of a culture shock because I'm used to drinking in the street. But uh, getting over that. <laughs> well, that's the banks uh, soon we can do that. And, uh... Yeah. Well, I mean, my first weekend living here uh, was Bachfest, which was a really great oh. sort of smooth transition <laughs> yeah. into living in Cincinnati from New Orleans. Yeah, Bachfest is amazing. And, I mean, man, there's a lot of people locally that aren't aware of uh, everything that goes on there. From the, I, I got to judge the Sausage Queen contest for the last couple of years years and i mean it, it's just 
lived in over the Rhine uh, for about a year and a half. That was the first place we lived. And it was such a great way to get to know the city. Um, I really enjoyed that. Cool. Awesome. And it, now did so you... What, uh... Go for it. Oh, I was going to say, as what, like, did you actually study art <laughs> history and stuff in college or what, were, what was kind of your area of study that found you in this field? Yeah, <laughs> I kind of took a strange path into it, but um, I'm happy to take whatever path it took me to get to museum education as my career. But um, I studied business management in college. I went uh-huh. to Florida State University uh, and I started taking art history classes because I felt like I needed something to kind of feed my soul after being in business classes for oh know, there you go and so I fell in love with it but at that point I was so far along in my major I was like I don't want to change I'm just going to keep going um and so when I finished that um I got married moved to New Orleans and started grad school in arts administration uh-huh. and just kind of from there started to figure out what I wanted to do in the arts and it led to art museum education and it's awesome I love it okay so do you have more of an affinity for museums or for art or for both uh, fine art. I love visual art, but that's that's where my affinity really lies. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So visual art. So that has to be a, a painting or a drawing or a sculpture. Yeah. It's, yeah. Not, it's not a feeling or <laughs> I don't know. I guess I, I graduated from Art Academy in uh, 2001. Um, and so, so I don't know. It, I went for illustration, more the commercial side of things. Um, yeah. You know, our academy is more fine art, uh, so I, I did like that that contrast. But at the same time, it's like there's always uh, the whole "what is art" thing. You know, kind of plagued us for four years. Just like, really, is this acceptable? Is this? Are we doing this? And that, so I don't know. So that that's kind of my. Uh, well, I love it. I love it all. But when it comes to uh, you know schooling and judging and grading that's when it's like all right (laughs) I hear you with that though because I loved art when I was in high school like I loved making art but when I got to college I was like I just don't know if I have it in me to to do it as a major because I just I love it too much that I don't want it to be like something that I have to do for money for you know like a grade I just want to do it because I love it yeah. So that's sort of, that's sort of why I ended up in business school, and also I think my parents wanted me to do something that was practical. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Got to make, make mom and dad happy. Well, that's what I was always kind of told. Although I was already too late into broadcasting, but someone said, "Oh, you should take something, you know, like business or something like that, and then you can just minor in broadcasting." And turns out that was pretty accurate. Yeah, that's exactly what you should do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm glad I did it, too, because business management is something that you can take with you no matter what you're doing. So, you know, that's great. And college is, you know, about more than just your major anyway. It's about your experience there. So so what do you do museum-wise in New Orleans? Like, is there a big museum scene in New Orleans? I mean, I reckon there is. It's a lot of history, a lot of art. Yeah, there's a really big museum scene in New Orleans. Um, I was in uh, the New Orleans Museum of Art. I did um, youth and family programs. And so that was so much fun. I just loved it. I got to do programs for babies. I did some programs for adults too, um, for kids. It was just so much fun to like learn how, or think about how do you approach an art museum and art making from that perspective. And so it's been, that was such a fun job. I absolutely loved it. And how did you wind up coming to Cincinnati then? Well, I was looking for the next thing, um, you know, because I'd been in New Orleans for a while. I'd been at that job for about seven years, and it was time to just kind of start thinking about what my next step in my career is going to be. 
And so I was looking around, found Cincinnati Taft Museum of Art was looking for a director of learning and engagement. And that sounded like exactly what I wanted to do. Oh. I interviewed and got my dream job. So it's pretty great. So there's not a lot of like upward mobility in the New Orleans museum scene. Is there a lot of, <laughs> or is it, because sometimes in, you have to make a, you know, a horizontal move in career, but other times if you stay a place like, you know, my wife's been at the same place for, I think she's going to be, it's going to be 20 years soon. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, in some museums you can do that. Uh, but I would say that more generally, you generally have to move if you're going to make a, an upward move in your, in mm. your kind of work. So that's pretty common. Um, it's just kind of part of the deal with the museum work. So, and like I said, I moved around a lot as a kid, so it's not something that's like unfamiliar to me. I kind of love the new adventure of trying to figure out a new city, get to know new people. I think it's a lot of fun. Okay. What was the biggest surprise about Cincinnati that you weren't expecting? Hmm. Oh, I think I've met more introverts here than I did in New Orleans. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I'm trying to think like the biggest surprise was I think that you know, there's a really wonderful amount of like culture here that I wasn't expecting. Uh, everything from like the beer culture, which I love to like some of the German food, but some of the other things too that are going on. Um, like I really have, I love all the art that I've found here in Cincinnati. Um, I think there's a lot of pride in the area, which is really, really great to be a part of. Um, and, you know, I think it's also really interesting. It's such an interesting place geographically that like, you know, we're really close to Indianapolis, we're really close to Louisville, we're really close to all these other really interesting places. Um, and you see that sort of convergence of different cultures coming together in Cincinnati. Um, and the history too of Cincinnati, I think that's been something I've really enjoyed getting to know, um, especially from the Taft Museum of Arts perspective. I think that it's just a great, I just love being a part of it. Like, and I feel that being a part of a museum or working in a museum gets, gives you that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons why Cincy Shirts is even a thing is because of the rich history and uh, local pride. Um, yeah, I mean, it is it is cool. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people, once they come here, they don't leave. I guess there's a super high, uh, you know. Uh, Retention uh, rate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there you go. That's yeah. the proper word. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about uh, the, the, the Taft Museum. A lot of people, I mean, I think a lot of people are familiar with the, even the Cincinnati Art Museum. But um, so is the, the Taft Museum more of like a, a boutique uh, museum? Is that is that fair to say? Is it is it all like President Taft's art collection? Like what? I guess tell us what what is it. Absolutely. Yeah. No, the Taft Museum of Art is a really special art museum because I would say you're right. It is a boutique kind of experience at the museum. Um, it's small, it's intimate, but it's also in this incredibly gorgeous setting that's just dripping with history everywhere you turn. And so, you know, we have a really outstanding permanent art collection. You know, the, it is the private collection of uh, Charles Phelps Taft. So that's the half brother, William Howard Taft. And um, and so that's his and his wife, Anna Taft's uh, collection. And so when they were uh, you know, setting up their estate, they decided to gift their house and their art collection to the city of Cincinnati. And that's how the Taft Museum of Art was born. 
And so, um, and that's a really great, you know, that's such a great legacy. I think that also just points to the, you know, generosity of Cincinnati citizens and the interest in investing in the um, community and in culture. Oh. But yeah, it's his house too. I guess I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, Charles Belt uh, Taft's house with Anna Sinton Taft. So it's actually so the Taft Museum of Art itself, the structure itself is uh, was was finished in around 1820 around 1820 and it was owned first by martin baum and so he was um i think he came, he came up from germany he was you know a businessman in the community and the house was just actually like four you know four sides it was just like a small house well it was big for that time but it was um, not the same grand house that we have today and each owner after that um added on to the house until what you see today. And so it's kind of interesting thinking about like the legacy of the different Cincinnatians who lived in in that house and their impact on the city um, all the way up till the Taft family. And so, I mean, for example, Nicholas Longworth was one of the, um, was one of the owners of the house and he was the first wine, successful commercial winemaker in the United States. And all the land behind the Taft, like, over Mount uh, uh, Mount Lookout or not Mount Lookout? I think uh, you're all the way to Mount Lookout, but yeah. like, uh, yeah, Mount Adams and um, Eden Park, like those were all grape vineyards. Oh wow! Really? Yeah, and he owned it all. <laughs> it's fascinating. Like he and so hey, he made so wine. miles. Yeah, yeah, miles, lots and lots of land. I didn't know grapes grew here. <laughs> he was an avid yeah. horticulturalist, and so he just kind of like tinkered around with plant varieties and you know figured it out so yeah um yeah so he made catawba wine <laughs> there's actually a winery in um in over the rhine that uh looks back to that history too it's the um skeleton uh key is that right skeleton skeleton root something like that oh, okay yeah so um they look back at the um at that history as well and um, have been creating wine to sort of end that legacy. And so it's, it's really fascinating that this house has that connection to uh, different aspects of interesting Cincinnati history. And Longworth himself was a real character. Um, and the thing that one of the aspects of his legacy at the house too, that's the most exciting is that he commissioned Robert S. Duncanson, the first black artist, African-American artist to rise to international prominence. Duncanson lived in Cincinnati and was working and Duncan and uh, Longworth commissioned him to create a suite of eight murals in the house in the foyer of the house. And those are there today. We can, you can go see them. They're absolutely beautiful. Nice. I got to Google this guy. What's his name again? Duncanson? Robert S. Duncanson. And you'll find that there is actually, um, he, he recently came into the news again because the congressional gift for the Biden inauguration was a Robert S. Duncanson painting from the Smithsonian. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I do remember seeing that. Well, it's like a rainbow or something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it looked a step up above Bob Ross, but hey, that's awesome. <laughs> I would agree with that. <laughs> so the Tafts marry into the house, if I'm reading the history correctly. That's correct. Yes. Okay. And how does that take place? Who? What's the succession there? Yeah, so after Longworth um, and his wife died, uh, they, you know, the, their children really didn't want to keep that estate because they had their own estates that they had already built up. Um, and so, you know, after a period, it, it was, I think, a school at one point. Um, oh. Then Dayton, uh, Dayton, sorry, uh, David Sinton 
uh, he's another, uh, you know, guy that's moving to Cincinnati and he decides he's going to buy that house. And so David Sinton ends up being one of the wealthiest Cincinnatians um, to come through and they build up his wealth. He has a daughter named Anna. Anna and Charles get married in the house, actually. Um, and Charles moves into that house. And so Charles and Anna lived in that house with David Sinton um, until he died. And they had their family there. Um, and, you know, Charles Phelps Taft had a lot of, uh, he had his fingers in a lot of pots, I'd say. He was doing a lot of things in Cincinnati, um, part of the Ohio State Le- Legislature. Um, he owned a newspaper. He, I think he was part owner in the Chicago, one of the Chicago baseball teams. <laughs> like he just kind of did a bunch of different things. Um, and he and Anna start collecting art together too. Um, Anna was also, they both were really big into the art scene. Um, their um, endowment actually is what starts Arts Wave. It was the Cincinnati Fine Arts Fund for a while, but uh, it was their generosity that really got that started. Um, they helped keep the Cincinnati Zoo afloat. Um, they had uh, a lot of influence in the Cincinnati uh, Opera, I believe. So like, they just had a lot of uh, great philanthropy that was um, really investing in the cultural scene here in Cincinnati. And then how is William Howard Taft related to them? Is he their offspring, cousin? What I can't remember. Yeah, yeah he's the half-brother of Charles. And so, okay. yeah, oh, okay, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think Charles is older. Alfonso Taft is the dad. Um, his first wife dies. And then the second wife is how William Howard Taft came. Aha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And Taft is president, what, like in the 18... 18- 90s ish something like that yeah. yeah i think that's about right yeah. yeah i'm good at the presidents going backwards through i can't like most people can go forwards i can go forwards for like three and then i get stuck <laughs> i can go backwards to about 1900 and then i start to get confused so yeah i do too to be honest but um yeah, yeah William Harry Matthews, you know, yeah big deal for us so. <laughs> um another interesting thing is that so the it becomes a, a proper art museum in what 1932 that's right. Okay, and that happens because they've they both passed away at this point. How long is it between the time they pass away to the people organized and say, "Hey, because I know they left the artwork." So how does all yeah. that come about? Yeah, so Charles dies first. Um and Anna, you know, she knows things are she needs to kind of get these things wrapped up. And so basically, I think she was still she was still living as they were starting the transformation of the house into a museum. Okay. And so it's actually like, so she had some really interesting, there's some interesting stories with that too. Um, the director, I believe at the time of the um, Cincinnati Art Museum is sort of the one they tapped to help transition the house into an art museum. And they want to make sure that they keep the architecture and the decorations inside the museum to be um, specific to that time period. So I think that's a really great, they, uh, great decision that was made. Um, but as you know, they were doing that transformation, Anna tells um, the people leading that that they needed to look underneath the wallpaper in the foyer because she had heard that there were murals underneath the wallpaper. And so they do and they find that's how they find the Duncanson murals that we just talked about. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And so, you know, as tastes change, people, I mean, the house and stuff, you can see evidence. Like they move walls around, like there's all sorts of things that happen inside, you know, as as people want to redecorate, remodel, things like that. So they, uh, the murals, you know, 
were found underneath the wallpaper went through conservation, restoration, and, um, you know, been through a couple of rounds of that even since then. Fragile, you know, because they're on like 200-year-old plaster at this point. Yeah. But Yeah, that's crazy. And I mean, yeah. the wallpaper have some sort of adhesive, and mm-hmm. I'm sure that was uh, nasty. That's yeah. crazy. Okay. Please cover up these unsightly oh, yeah, murals with wallpaper. Um, that's that's I wild. I know, right? I mean, like today, my perspective, I'm just like, oh my goodness, how could you do that? They're so beautiful. But yeah. I mean, we do that to our homes all the time, you know? Yeah. We just paint it gray. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so a lot of the art there is there, uh, is it basically Cincinnati artists? Is it, uh, I mean, are there any, I don't want to say well-known, but like, you know, there's no like, uh, I don't know, uh, Caravaggio's or anything crazy <laughs> that, you know, maybe someone picked up over, I mean, I know that's a different time period, but I, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And the answer is yes, we do have some really great artists that you would know, like Rembrandt. Um ah. Yeah, so we have Rembrandt painting, um, and it's a really great one, it's Portrait of a Man um, you can see that beautiful Dutch Renaissance, um, you know, classic hallmarks of it with the dark backgrounds and the expressive, you know, brushstrokes and faces and the lace on the collar. Like it's beautiful work. Um, and so the tasks themselves, like they really, they had a really specific taste for art. Um, and you can see that when you go into the museum. So it's a lot of work that's you know, Dutch Renaissance paintings. It's British portraiture. It's British landscapes. Um, uh, we have, we do have some American art in there as well. Um, we have a Duvenek painting, which is actually currently at the Sensei Art Museum and their Duvenek exhibition, but it's one of his best works in my opinion that I've seen, um, a cobbler's apprentice. Um, it's beautiful. And then he also collected, they also collected from, um, Henry Farney, another local guy. Uh, so we have a painting by him. Um, and so those are sort of the the local, and those were contemporary art at that time um, that they collected. But most everything kind of goes back more towards uh, old master European paintings. Um, they also have a really wonderful collection, or we have a wonderful collection of um, of Chinese porcelain too. So that's another part of the collection that's sort of an interesting mix of uh, or interesting con- or com- complement to the European um, and American paintings that you see. Nice. What do you, what'd they pay for the Rembrandt? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and did they pay money or were a lot of these given to them? Or were they oh, no, they, they paid cool, money. For the cool couple, so they <laughs> you know, a bunch of cool stuff? I know, right? Yeah, they, they, they were avid collectors. Um, they worked with a dealer um, with his portrait at our museum, too. Like, they, they really enjoyed that aspect. And then you'll see that, too, like, with people who are collecting they have a real passion for certain areas of art history and they just kind of go for it and like find like the best pieces that they can. Um, and, you know, I think one of the interesting things about the tax collecting practice is that it's, it was really done in with, with the mindset that this was going to be a gift to the Cincinnati, to Cincinnati, to people. Yeah. Um, and so it wasn't just for them, like they wanted people to use these wonderful examples of European masters, uh, you know, to be inspired by it. Like the potters that, you know, or the designers at Rookwood Pottery were in, like they could come in and look at, you know, the Chinese porcelains that they had in their in their house, that they had open hours um, from time to time in their house, even while they were living in it. 
Um, so, you know, it's interesting that that was sort of like one of the, the motivations, I would say, for collecting. So overall, the collection is reflective of the Taft's taste, even like yes. to this day. So even stuff they're acquiring today, is, it, is that kind of like based on, you know, would, would the Taft's have liked this? Is that kind of how it's determined when things are yeah, acquired? Yeah, and absolutely. And so like, that's one of the things that's sort of interesting about this particular museum is that, I mean, this is maybe a museum nerd interesting, <laughs> yeah. um, but we're, we're not really a collecting museum. Um, it, the collection is just the private collection of the Taft family. Oh. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Like there's a few pay, uh, works of art that have been acquired um, since it's been a museum. But for the most part, it's all just the Taft uh, family collection. Ah, and okay. that's it. Do you guys have um, traveling shows or anything like that? Do you have like a, a little room to the side where you, you know, get some fresh stuff in there? Yes, it, so definitely have that. So like uh, we have traveling exhibitions that come through about three times a year. And then we have a smaller gallery that will be that changes out from time to time as well with um, other things. So, you know, the Taft family collection is, you know, in the historic house. It's beautiful. It's grand. Um, we have a variety of other exhibitions that come through. Like actually today and tomorrow, we're opening up a new exhibition. It's um, shoes. <laughs> it is a really beautiful exhibition. Um, Walk This Way is what it's called. Jordans. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, they're, they're women's shoes, I will say. And they're uh, from uh, about, uh, let's see here, I think like the um, late 20th, uh, 19th century. Late, yeah, late 19th century um, into the 20th century. And so it's a really interesting look at um, design uh, for women's shoes. Um, and how taste changed over time and um, the uses for shoe um, and needs for shoes had changed over time. Awesome. And you guys had what, Downton Abbey stuff there. Not too That's long, right. So. Yeah, we had Downton Abbey. Yeah, we've had a variety of great exhibitions that have come through and that are we're looking forward to well, uh, to hosting soon, too. So, awesome. so when you bring well, the traveling. King Tut. That's why I want to see is King Tut. King Tut. Oh, right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, when you're running the traveling exhibition, is it also with that mindset of, you know, would the Tafts have liked this or is it, well, it's a traveling collection and people that like art, we're an art museum, people will like it. Is that kind of the thinking? Yeah. So it's, you know, from, from our perspective, I would say that, you know, when we think about exhibitions, we think about like what would the Tafts have liked for sure. We would think about what can help extend the story of art history that we are already telling so is it something that we don't have in our collection that we're showing? Is it something that just adds on to what we already have? Is it something that is, you know, telling the story of what comes after the collection that we've got um, or even before the collection that we have? So I think that, you know, when we are thinking about exhibitions, that's that's really what we're looking at. And, you know, I think we're also really interested in in showcasing a variety of um, perspectives through these special exhibitions. So it can be uh, more contemporary too. And I think that's an important conversation that you can have between, you know, the old masters and our 21st century viewpoints. And the museum's been renovated a couple of times, right? Since, yeah, since the yeah it's been renovated. Yeah, we had um, the, in 2004, the edition where we have our special exhibitions, that's when that was created. And we're okay. actually getting ready to go through another renovation um, just to make, you know, some much needed improvements to um, sustain um, and preserve the house. And that will be getting started later on this year. 
I was going to say, do you run into like any products? I know, of course, with our friends over at Museum Center discovered, oh, the whole thing's rusting from the inside out and it's going to fall down any minute. And you, you discover things like that where it's like, oh, this 1820 architecture, there are some, some issues with it. Well, fortunately, nothing's falling apart. <laughs> um, but there's just, you know, it's an old house that needs to be shored up, you know, like that's kind of the way I would think about it. Um, and so we've had a great team of people going through and just making sure we're looking at everything that's in as many ways as possible um, to come to the conclusions of what we need to, you know, make better for uh, preserving the house and um, taking care of the art that's inside of it. But it is going to be a fun project, and I think that they will be discovering things as they kind of go through. Um, one of the interesting things, too, about the house, when Martin Baum um, was desi- like working with uh, to design it and to build it, uh, I'm not sure if you remember, there's a, there was an earthquake that came through Cincinnati in the early 1800s. Yes, I wrote about that for Cincinnati Magazine. Yeah. Yes. Well, Martin Many Baum did ago. not like that experience, and he wanted to make sure that his house was earthquake-proof. Oh, so the Taft Museum such a of Art, thing then? <laughs> apparently, <laughs> so the Taft Museum of Art is also technically well, as much as you can be earthquake proof uh, from uh, early 1800s design yeah. standpoint. It's not flood proof, right down the river. Yeah, <laughs> fortunately we're high up, so I think we're okay. But <laughs> and, and speaking well, of, um, I don't know if you know much about this, but of course, in the 1950s, the interstate highway system is approved. And it's supposed to roll right through uh, Lytle Park, and there's a big effort to say that. But, of course, the other collateral damage would have been the Taft Museum. Was there some kind of early effort to say, because they almost were going to plow right through it. And do you know anything about that story? Um, I know a little bit about that story. Um, I know that it was definitely an effort to make sure that the Taft Museum of Art and its collections were preserved. Um, You know, a thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is that Art that is as old as the art that we have in our museum is inherently fragile. Um, And so vibrations actually are really damaging, especially long, like sustained vibrations are really damaging to the works of art. And so, um, and especially if you think about like the Duncanson murals too, right? Like they're painted on 200 year old plaster that has had to be, you know, looked at many times. Um, And so I know that, that we have worked with, vibration experts to make sure that we are taking care of our art um, and our house in the best way possible. And so I know that was one of the big concerns with uh, the Lytle Park Tunnel and things like that. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I was just thought about just the, the freeway in general because there wasn't going to be a tunnel. They were just going to slam that sucker right through. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So I think I'm going to be about like, the next uh, the But next no, I didn't, yeah, I didn't really think about that because they, even with the tunnel, that, that solved the problem of what, you know, it saved the park and it saved the, the, the Taft Museum. But yeah, I forgot, yeah. even with the tunnel, there's probably a lot of like ancillary problems that come along with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is not the first time too that the Taft, the house, it has been sort of, in in the throes of like development, I guess you can say, and like, what does that mean? Because even in the Taft's time, the Lytle Park neighborhood started to really transform and it looked really different than when it did, uh, when Longworth lived there and when the Tafts even started living there. Um, like industry was coming up around them and they had, ah. you know, they had to work really hard to try to preserve the Lytle Park neighborhood and, and what it was. Yeah, I was gonna say because uh, <laughs> yeah, because you, you were saying that it was back then. Is it there was a rooftop really, bar on the uh, on the museum? 
<laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but what you're saying is like uh, back in the 1820s when they built that was the edge of town. That was the, you what you know it was it was the you walked into the country from their from their estate and it was properly the country. And uh, yeah, that's interesting. Um, so another thing that we know about the Taft that we've heard from other guests on the podcast uh, is that the Taft is haunted. Oh, that—that's where I was going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was that ghost tours? That was one of the stops, and we took all these pictures. And yeah, there's a—I don't know. Tell tell us about that. <laughs> well, I will say, you know, we have had you know debates about whether or not this is true. Um, but I know that uh, I've heard some stories about uh, hearing sounds in the attic. Um, and so that's that's where I think that most of it comes. Like I think we've had some stories about, uh, oh, uh, and I think in our shop too, we've had some stories of like things being moved around and um, unexplained, uh, <laughs> every, the doors are all locked, like unexplained um, movements of things. So that's about as far as I know, but I have not yet experienced it myself, which is kind of a bummer. Okay. Yeah, they say you have to be tuned yeah. in. That's what somebody yeah. told me in college. They, I said I've never seen a ghost before. So, and they're like, "Oh, you're not, you're not tuned in." I'm like, "No, whatever that means." And to this day, I guess I'm still yeah. not tuned in. But um, so do you know who, who the ghosts are supposed to be? Are there, are there any like set legends, or is it just a lot of like you see the hearsay about just noises and things? I heard the thing about the locks. I think the the ghost guy told that on on this show actually about the the lock. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure who they're supposed to be. Like, I think that um, I've heard of like noises, like sounds like children and like hmm. maybe a woman voice. Like that's about as far as I've I've heard. I don't know if they're supposed to be people in particular. Okay. Did anyone ever die in the house? I mean, I think people died in the house, but not like in any sort of like nefarious, you nice. know, Natural causes. Uh, yeah. sort of like, yeah, yeah, hmm. <laughs> yeah. Interesting, yeah. Because I, I, I guess the yeah, mythology. Yeah, I'm, sorry, I'm very boring on that. <laughs> well, no, I think the, the mythology is supposed to be that you know the, the reason there's ghosts is because they they have unfinished business or they they were they weren't ready to die or something something like that. And it seems like the Tafts had a pretty good life and they knew and and Mrs. Taft knew what was coming. Like she had got all the affairs in order and then they were going to make this a museum. So I don't it didn't doesn't seem anything bad happened. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm, you know, I think that there's probably some spiritual realm out there that perhaps could uh, uh, be contributing to some of these uh, fun stories, but I'm not sure. I have not experienced it myself yet. And maybe they're friendly ghosts. Who knows? They're just hanging around because they like the house so much. (laughs) I know, right? Like I would like, if I, you know, if I were a ghost, I think I'd like to hang out in the Taft. It would be a pretty cool place to be. For sure. So I'll say like, we have this really great portrait of Nicholas Longworth in the uh, museum and uh, my office is in the sort of ground level basement of the um, historic house and when the lights are not on um, and the lights are just on um, on my level it looks very much like he's watching me walk back and forth between the office Ah. and uh, the main building so how much of the house is original like i mean when i I know it's added on from the 1820s on is always added on to but say around 1920s when things are wrapping up with the tafts uh how much has been added on since it became a museum i guess is my question yeah, not much really. So okay. like the Taps had um through their time there, I think they're probably I think the D- David Sinton and the Taps, they're the ones that probably added on to the house um maybe the most. Or maybe well, maybe not. I think Longworth and the Wings were also pretty big too. But um but yeah, so like they did they just kind of moved some stuff around. Um and then whenever it was turned into a museum, um, I think some 
uh, parts of the house were were um, taken off or um, adjusted or something like that. But like they had their code to share. Um, I think that's how you say that. Uh, where like if you were in a carriage or or a, a, uh, it's basically like an overhang for uh, yeah. carriages and for cars. And I think that was like something that was taken off um, at some point. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, so things were, you know, made to so that way there could be offices and things like that for the museum. So when you walk in, it's fairly close to the way it was in the 1920s when um Yeah, I would say passed. so. Okay. Yeah, like the architecture itself is is pretty much what you experienced. Um one of the interesting things too about the um the the museum and the rooms um it, they're looking back at the different um designs that you would have seen in homes at that time. So each room inside the Taft has its own specific design scheme. Um, so looking at interior decorations uh, that would have been uh, in vogue um, at different part during at different times while the house was a house. So that kind of adds another layer of, I think, interesting to uh, the experience of the, of going through the galleries in the historic house. Um, but like what you're seeing is not exactly what the house would like would have looked like whenever the Taps lived there. Okay. Yeah, well, and that was an intentional decision because the Taps wanted it to be a museum. Well, sure, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it'd be funny to see what these these home renovation TV show people would think and come in and say, "Oh, you got to open this up. You got people want to open it <laughs> <No>. up." <laughs> Absolutely, I know that. I like we have. There's a porch that's not opened up anymore, and I'm like, oh, I just want to open up those windows and like. Let them let the sun in, uh, in, but you can't do that with the painting. So, <laughs> oh yeah, I was gonna say, I was gonna ask why, but that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I imagine yeah. there's a lot of like considerations like that with the climate control and light and things like that, and the vibrations that you mentioned earlier. So. <laughs> yeah, all that's very important to um, to keeping the the Taft collection intact for generations to come. That's so there's like a whole that. is there a whole team of people that take care of like the the light and the yeah. and like the vibrations? Is that all one team or does is there a vibration guy and there's a light guy and there's the the humidity guy. Yeah, yeah. So we have a team, um, and it's kind of the responsibilities are kind of shared depending on uh, what's going on. Uh, but yeah, we have people who are trained to measure the humidity levels and the light levels. Um, they have special, you know, ways of you know making sure if you're dusting the paintings, you're not, you know hitting the paintings themselves, you know, like if you're vacuuming in there, like only certain people are allowed to do it because, you know, they're, the ones who are trained and being able to do that. Every part of ca collection care is done by professionals who have been doing this for a really long time. It is like their careers. It's their, their livelihoods. Um, I think that was one of the interesting things that I learned when I started in museums was that, you know, when you think about museum jobs, you think about the curator, like the person who's putting the shows together, but you don't think about like the person who has to take care of the art or the person who is running the kid programs or, you know, the person who answers the phones or is, you know, doing all like there's a range of different opportunities in a museum. So, so speaking of kids and the young people, what kind of is the future for museums? Because, you know, it's it's hard to get, you know, the, the pandemic aside, obviously. You know, it's kind of hard to get, you know, as, as, I know it's kind of almost a trope now, but they get, they get kids away from that screen and they get them to go outside and they get them to, you know, to experience the real world as opposed to experiencing the virtual world. What, what kind yeah. of challenges do you face there? Yeah, I think that, you know, that's one of the challenges for museums is, you know, you want to protect the collection, but you also want it to be open to everybody to experience it and making those experiences really positive and 
fun and interesting from, you know, a variety of different perspectives. And I think one of the things I love about kids is that they're naturally good at having conversations about art and uh, are very curious as, uh, you know, little humans. I, I just think that is so much fun, inherently creative. Um, and so it's really fun to think about how do you view um, a museum experience through those eyes, through that lens. And so I think, you know, the future of museums is looking bright because we're all thinking about how do we make our collections and our experience relevant to different generations, to different um, viewpoints. And, uh, you know, if you are attracted to art because you, I don't know, because you saw something similar in a movie, or if you really love this community organization and they're having a talk at our museum, I think there's a lot of different entry points that you can have uh, for uh, enjoying um, a museum experience. Totally. Does does the Tap Museum have a TikTok account? (laughs) We do not have a TikTok account. Also, that would be really fun. (laughs) Do some dances in front of the uh, Duncansons and everything. <laughs> no, I mean there is a lot of art on TikTok when it comes to like a lot of you know. DIY oh no, I, I, I love it. I mean, stuff like that. It might be interesting. Yeah, I think that anything like that is great because you're gonna be looking at art. You're gonna be thinking about it. Um, there was a really popular event that happened, I believe, in Chicago at the Institute of Arts there, where they called it the Butt Hunt. And they just basically had people looking at the museum collection, looking for all the butts. Oh I mean, like, that's great, right? Because you're looking at art, like, and you're having yeah. fun while doing it. And yeah. why not, right? Whatever it takes. It's <laughs> a blast. Yeah. <laughs> we've done, um, uh, we've made, like, dating profiles for our paintings, our portraits, uh, tried to set them up with other paintings. I mean, there's all sorts of fun things that we can do with, with art. Oh, Totally. Do you guys ever feel like you're trying to compete with like the, uh, you know, contemporary art center or, uh, you know, it's like there's, there's, yeah, we do have several other museums in the, in the city. Uh, How do you guys stand out or, you know, obviously you want to get those same uh, patrons to come, come visit yours. Uh, Yeah. We're all, we're all fighting for those eyeballs. (laughs) We are. I mean, I think that's just the reality of anybody who's in business for you know anything um you know we're lucky in that i think that cam the cac and the tap are all really three unique experiences in their own right um and have their own um have their own sort of niche i guess you could say in in the cincinnati art scene uh, and i you know i really love one of the things i really love about working in cincinnati in the arts is that everybody here is really nice and really collaborative so like if i have a question i call my colleagues up and it's totally fine and we'll talk about it so, you know, we're really collegial. Like, I think that that's something that's really great about um, working here in this in this arts community. But we all, you know, sure. Like, I think you have a set group of people who are kind of going between all three organizations. Maybe you favor one or over the other. But, you know, I think that we're all working together to try to expand our audiences and um, our reach. So the museum yeah. business isn't cutthroat in this town? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Does the business side even really matter? I mean, are you guys funded by endowments for years and years to come? Or or is it like, wow, if we don't get 100 people in this weekend, we got to shut down? Like what? I I feel like, you know, which thankfully it's not, but, you know, museums aren't really ran on the admission, you know, the the ticket sales, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the TAFT is funded in a variety of ways. Um, In the same way that I think almost 
every art museum is, um, is in Cincinnati is and what I've worked with, you know, you have your endowments, but you also have, you also really heavily rely on, um, on support through donations each year. So foundations, individuals, things like that. Our members are really important to us. Um, those are, those are where we're really looking for our support. And the other, there's a lot of, what was that, Darren? Are there any tax dollars involved? Tax? Oh no, I don't. Well, not not in that. Not like we're not like a government entity. If that if that's what you're asking. Yeah, well, I didn't know. If yeah. Buy Snickers if two cents goes to you guys or no? Not. No, we don't have any. No, we don't have any of that. And, <laughs> and most of the money that you through memberships and all that other stuff, it, uh, there's very little acquisition. As you were saying, uh, just occasionally, it's mostly for upkeep and keeping the museum. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. See. And, Absolutely. And when you go to other towns, do you like, uh, do you go as just a, a tourist or do you some, when you go to the museums, you're kind of like, hmm, we should probably do something like that. Because when we go to other towns, we, we visit t-shirt shops and say, hmm, I believe it, yeah, yeah this, these guys have something going on. Um, yeah, I will admit that <laughs> I'm addicted to museums. Um, <laughs> we, uh, my, my husband is great. I'm really thankful that he loves art museums too, uh, because we go to art museums everywhere we go. Um, I love, I really love them. Uh, and so it's so much fun to go to different towns and to go visit um, the museums there. Um, we always pair it with like baseball or some other fun thing like that too. <laughs> yeah. What's but your favorite museum? My favorite museum? Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's a hard, that's a hard, hard one to answer. Uh-huh. Oh, I just, I love them all for so many different reasons. Like, the Chicago one was amazing. The Chicago Institute of Art was so amazing with their collection. We went to the Smithsonian's last last year, and I loved that. Um, I will always have a special place in my heart for the New Orleans Museum of Art because I spent so much time there. Um, yeah, What's their claim I, to fame is there like a they have a giant Chuck Close or uh, <laughs> right Rothko or something that I don't I don't know like yeah what, what was their prize possession. Oh man, they've got some really wonderful pieces in their collection. Um, my favorites, they have, and they're an encyclopedic museum, meaning that they have um, objects from all time periods and all cultures. I mean, mostly, you know. Um, and so I think I, they have a portrait of Marie Antoinette by um, a woman painter, court painter, uh, Elizabeth Vigie Lebrun. And she was like one of my favorite painters. Uh, I think it's absolutely outstanding that she was a woman working during that time period. Um, and she's just a, a fabulous portrait painter. Um, there's a wonderful Degas um, that he painted while he was in New Orleans. He was the only French impressionist to visit the United States. And he ended up in New Orleans to visit his, I think, cousin. And that's a really cool painting. And then my favorite, they have a sculpture garden too. And my absolute favorite pay, favorite work of art is in that garden. And it's Anish Kapoor's um, untitled work, but I just love his work because it's chrome and it's um, it looks like you're pressing into a, a void. It looks like you could just go down like a rabbit hole or like into like another dimension because it's outside. It's reflecting the natural surroundings. And then everything's sort of distorted whenever you find that piece. It's huh. amazing. Yeah. I love Vanish Kapoor in general, though. So I think that. Is that kind of like that kidney bean or whatever? In, uh... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like the kidney bean. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> and so is it just art museums you visit when you're in other? Do you, do you go to other kinds of museums or is it mostly art museums that you visit? Admittedly, it's mostly art museums, but I do love other museums, too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because we have all kinds of great museums in Ohio beyond the art museum. So I was just, I was just curious. 
Yeah, definitely. I know. And I need to, um, I want to go explore some more in Ohio. I haven't really had a chance to, um, I have, I have yet to go to Cleveland and to Columbus. So I'm, you know, we were going to try to do that and then the pandemic hit. So now it's yep. we're waiting for that to kind of lift up a little bit. And then I can't wait to go visit. Yeah. Cleveland's got a great art museum. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's one of the reasons why I was like, oh, Ohio, I know they have art there. So <laughs> I'm not, haven't ever been to Columbus's, but, um, yeah. Uh, that should probably be, uh, and Dayton has a really nice one too, I understand. Yeah, I've driven by that one. I still haven't been. You can been. see it right from like the highway. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's right, right overlooking, uh, overlooks downtown. Yeah. I went to the one, um, oh my goodness, now the name of the city is like totally Toledo. That's it. Oh, I went yeah. to Toledo Art Museum because uh, I was on my way to Detroit. Yeah. And that was a really great stopover. I forgot about the Toledo Art Museum. Wow, you're right. We do have a. A lot in the state. I think yeah, Youngstown has one, come to think of it. Oh, wow. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Now that I'm, I'll, have to, I'll let the listeners know on the other side. Uh, but I do have some recollection of that now, that there is a Youngstown Museum of Art. So I love it. Art everywhere. That's exactly. what we need. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Do you think there's a, an interest in art is growing in America, staying about the same? Or where do you think? What, what's the, the, the world of art looking like in America today? You know, I think it really varies. Um, I think it really varies town to town. And um, I would, I mean, I always think that there is great opportunity for art. Um, I think that contemporary art is a really important um, piece of growing interest in art. Um, and in some of these really great block, like we call them blockbuster shows, right? Like the, the, um, the dots, you know, the Yayo Kusamas, things like that. Like, I think that those are really wonderful ways to to continue to generate interest in art. Um, and then I think that people are looking for cultural experiences. Uh, and a lot of times that can be like having a really good meal out somewhere. Uh, but I think that people are still looking for interesting experiences to have and art museums can provide that. Cool. Yeah, we had a lot of people, you know, I think we had people at the Taft this year even um, there because Valentine's Day, looking for an interesting experience uh, to do with somebody, you know. I think that's a really great excuse to just get out and try something new. All right. And for those who don't know, um, uh, if you've listened this far, you probably should know that the Taft is located right downtown uh, on Lytle Park. Yes. So it's like a it's a block from the P&G Towers to give you guys and between the ballpark and the P&G Towers, say, if you're if you need some direction there. And what are the what are the hours these days when when can people visit? Yeah. So we're open Friday through Sunday right now. And we're open on Fridays from 11 to, I believe, five o'clock, four o'clock. Um, and then we are open on Saturdays and Sundays, um, I believe, 10 to to five. So, oh, OK. Are those the like were those the normal pre-pandemic hours or were those is that those just, are our pandemic hours? Okay, right now. so hope when things get back to normal, as they say, it'll be expanded back out to what like Monday through Sunday kind of. It was Wednesday through Sunday. Wednesday through Sunday. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping one day we'll be there, but right now our pandemic those are our pandemic hours, and we do encourage people to go ahead to register in advance because okay. we are limiting capacity. Uh-huh. Uh, we want to keep everybody safe. Um, it's a very safe environment, which sure. I think through. Our staff has been doing a fabulous job with that. Uh, but we have, you know, um, a really popular exhibition coming. I've already mentioned the the Walk This Way shoe exhibition. And so I highly recommend that people register in, uh, online in advance um, just to ensure that they have spa- their space reserved. Cool. Good to know. And social media? Social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram. Follow us there, Taft Museum of Art. All right. Great. Yeah. All right. Wait, can I get married there? 
I'm looking around my... Oh, yeah, you sure can. It's a great place for weddings. We have a beautiful back... uh, We have a tent in the um, garden, and um, it's just a gorgeous space for weddings. Yeah, that looks awesome. I'm I'm stalking you on Google Images right now. <laughs> got those, those murals and uh, yeah, that now it looks like we can have a a big uh, party when this podcast drops. We'll uh, make sure to pack the house and celebrate there. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So I guess yeah. our last order of business is the coupon code. And uh, what we do there is with each week, uh, the guest gets to pick the coupon code for the week. And customers can either come to our website or come to our store uh, currently in Hyde Park. We're working on Over the Rhine for a big surprise. Uh, Stay tuned, folks. Uh, And you get to pick the coupon code so people can save 20% off their order at Cincy Shirts or one of our sister sites, OldSchoolShirts.com. So what would you like that little word or phrase to be? Ooh, can it just be something simple like Taft Museum of Art? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not being creative right now. <laughs> oh, no, that's fine. Cause it's one, something that's easy to remember. Yeah. So yeah, people remember yeah. you guys and people remember, uh, the code. So yeah. Museum of art. Yeah. Some people try to get fancy and one, one guy tried to do disestablish a Tyrianism. I forget who that was. And some guy tried to do a German word and, you know, people had to go and look it up. We're like, oh, and you get the pick, but it's, you know, no need to overcomplicate it. We want people to be able to use the code. So. All right. right yeah. Keep it simple. Yeah. Well, we thank you for joining us, Elise, and taking the, the time out of your busy schedule to educate us about the Taft Museum of Art. What a pleasure it has been, and I can't wait to stop into the store again. Oh, great. Super. All right. Anything else, Darren? I don't think so. Sounds like we've covered it all. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks again, Elise. <laughs> yeah, thank you. All right. All bye-bye. Right. We'll see Perfect. you. Thanks so much. Elise Solomon. I'm running out of art songs to play coming out of these art interviews. Uh, that's Art Eats Art by Orchestra Maneuvers in the Dark. But uh, if you want to know more about the Taft Museum of Art, simply go to taftmuseum.org and you'll get caught up on all you need to know. Now be sure to tell friends and loved ones about this show, including folks who may no longer live in the area, but still feel connected to the Tri-State. And if you haven't already, as always, go back and plunder those Cincy Shirts podcast archives. 161 episodes back there now, 162, including this one. Today's show is produced by me, with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing there from Philadelphia. Find their music at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage tees from great places like Philadelphia, Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, and tons more up to like 32 cities or so at OldSchoolShirts.com. Lots of defunct sports teams, old restaurants, old malls, shopping centers, all that kind of fun stuff, TV personalities, radio stations. It's like Cincy Shirts, but for those towns. And again, the promo code for this episode is Taft Museum of Art, all one word, all uppercase, all lowercase, mix and match if you like. That part doesn't matter. You're going to use that to take 20 percent off your entire cincyshirts.com or oldschoolshirts.com order or you can go into our Hyde Park store and soon you'll be able to go back into the Over the Rhine store. In fact, you may be able to go in as soon as this weekend. Just follow our social channels to find out and you'll be ha- happily give you 20% off if you use the promo code TAF Museum of Art at the Over the Rhine store. But stay tuned on that. Uh, and let me see. So follow and speaking of follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and Snapchat for all the latest Cincy Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye.
Kinshasa. 